Hello, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, there are a zillion podcasts out there. Thank you very, very much for listening to mine. This is a very special interview and a very nice treat for the people that listen to this show. This is an interview with Larry Hankin. He is a character actor who has been acting since the 1960s. It's a fascinating conversation. I went in a little different direction with this episode. The direction I went in that is different from his other, um, I guess, interviews that he's had is instead of concentrating on the his extensive film career, which spans from the 60s into the 2000s, um, is I wanted to talk about Larry, the person, with Larry Hankin. And we had a delightful conversation. You're going to hear me laughing and chuckling, I guess, several different times throughout the interview. And that's because this was a blast. First of all, it was a blast as as a fan of a lot of his movies. He was in Home Alone. He was in Seinfeld. He's been in just a ton of movies. I guarantee you, uh, you've seen him. If you're alive in the latter half of the 20th century, up, up to almost the present day, I guarantee you, you've seen him in something. But I just find it amazing, basically, the world that we live in that we're able to do all this and and because of medical advances keeping people like him in healthy condition and and also technological advances we're able to have these conversations i mean you know that's pretty amazing to think about also i did want to say it's kind of not safe for work you know, not that we talk about anything inappropriate per se, but he does curse conversationally. And that's pretty much endemic in American society, and I get that. But in fact, it's basically the reason my podcast is rated not safe for work, pretty much. But I did want to just mention that right up top. So if you're listening to this in an office or with some kids, you know, on your way to somewhere, you might want to give this one a listen somewhere at some other point. But also, I, I wanted to talk just briefly about the amazing world in which we live. Um, the other day, I was, you know, going through YouTube, and I found the most amazing thing I think I've heard as somebody who used to work in archives. And, and that is, I found somebody had interviewed Dr. James Naismith, the inventor of basketball. And it was just so interesting to hear this interview recorded in the 30s, um, you know, with this man that invented basketball. It was interesting to hear him talk about why some of the rules of basketball or the old rules of basketball uh, came into being and I guess in a way that's sort of what this is because it's a very old um, if you think about it the studio system and even the 
the way we made movies after the studio system, or the way somebody made movies after the studio system anyway, is almost antiquated at this point. I feel like this is a, a real transition moment in time uh, between sort of an old way of doing things and a new way of doing things. I feel like we're right on the cusp of something pretty amazing, technologically speaking. And, you know, I don't know how long that's going to go historically or whatever, but I hope to be around for it. Anyway, like I said, this is... Uh, Ben Kitchings, and this is the History Voyager. And you guys, uh, you know, enjoy my conversation with Mr. Hankin, because I sure did. And um, I told him he could come back anytime he wants, and I really mean that. Um, I had a real good time with him. All right, everybody. Like I always say, I'm having a great day, and I hope you are too. All right, you guys stick around. Bye. This call is now being recorded. Hi, everybody. This is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager, and I'm here with Larry Henkin, and it's a pleasure to talk to you. And Thank you. you, to put it mildly, are a well-seasoned character actor who's been yeah. <laughs> in a gazillion movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It blows yeah. my mind. It. I, let me tell you, I have a very widescreen monitor, and rare is the time now that my monitor can't fit all of some actor's catalog going across. And that, wow. that was the maze. Yeah. Uh, so well, every every time I get on, you know, I do a podcast. I'm blown away by what a the research that you guys do. Uh, or, and women too, uh, or, or the fact that I don't follow me, so I, it just blows my mind hearing what I've done. I, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I had heard that you had a very interesting life story, so I'm going to attack this a little differently from some people, maybe. Okay. What I want to do is I want to start off. I want to I want to hear about Larry, you know, okay. not Larry Hankin per se, but oh, cool! Well, Larry. yeah, there's a there's a new way to go about it. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody about, knows Larry. <laughs> tell me who Larry is. Well, I mean, I'm just a guy. That that's the whole weird trick of it all. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a person, and and. Uh, you know, and you you go to work and do your thing, and mm -hmm. you know, uh, a grocer goes and opens up the grocery store, and uh, he's got a helper, and and I do this, and other people ask me to do that, and I do it, you know, and so when I walk down the street and people recognize me, it, every time it just blows me away. How, how do you know who I am? And you have, and then they don't. But but they they recognize me, and they talk to me like I, I'm I'm their buddy or, or their friend or they know me yeah. for a long time, and it, yeah. it's weird. It's a it's a strange thing. <laughs> it's like it's like if you were walking in your own home, and all of a sudden somebody came out of the bathroom and said, you know, hey, hi Ben, you know, what's up? Yeah. You go, what? <laughs> How'd you get in here? Well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So let me. Okay, so you started out life in 
uh, Brooklyn or somewhere in New York City. Well, anyway, Far Rockaway, right? Far Rockaway, Long Island, out on, okay. out on the okay. island. And and it's a, I I grew up in a very um, uh, I don't know a, a fog of 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 no no information. You know, right now just disinformation. I had no information. I I, I was like totally sequestered. Like 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 it was COVID time, you know. I mean, I went to school, and uh, yeah. this was in the early. This was in well, when I was a kid. This is like a thousand years ago. There was no digital. That's how far. That's how old <laughs> I am. There was no yeah. digital. Yeah. There was no internet. So there was no information. You had to actually look it up. You have to, you know, get a dictionary yeah. or you know. Uh, uh, book, books of knowledge, whatever. But you had to look encyclopedias, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, encyclopedia. How do you use this encyclopedia? And if you didn't have an encyclopedia, you had to go to the library or call somebody. <laughs> so that that, and then I went to. So that was my upbringing in public school, high school, yeah. and then I went to Syracuse University. And you would think, you would think that there would be information and learning at a college, and that's kind of what it's like but not really because everybody is uh, not getting all the information they're just getting the information they need to pass the test so okay. when i left college and that was even I, that was even back then and okay yeah what, it's, I okay. it's even worse now because now you just let's focus <laughs> let's focus in on okay so you were born in 37 yeah okay so Okay. Damn it. Can you know you... how many ages that is ago? That's like almost, I mean, like the ancient history. I mean, people are blown away if I tell them something that happened in the 40s. And I go, yeah, yeah I was like five or six or whatever. Yeah. You know, what, uh, what's the earliest memory that you have? Honestly. Well, uh, honestly, yeah, I was just thinking this the other day because people ask me, you know, well, what was it like growing up? And I'm, I, so I was trying to think on my own time, what would be the oldest memory I have? So let me see. Let me, let me, let me go back. Well, it's like, I, I guess, well, okay, here, here's the, what I came up with, and this is true. Okay. Uh, the earliest memory I have is, I don't know how old I must have been, maybe six, seven, uh, sitting by the side of a pool, uh, must have been, uh, uh, we were on the, uh, traveling. My, my parents like to get in the car and go places and travel, okay. you know. So it was a hotel pool, obviously. But uh, right. the earliest memory is watching my father swim back and forth. Because I never got along with my father or, or my family. My mom was cool, but I just, uh, just, I, I, the family, uh, not, not a good family togetherness at all. Everybody went their separate ways. So uh, I rarely had any rapport with my father or did anything with my father. So I would watch him swim this pool back and forth, and he, he was an amazingly good swimmer. Uh, I, I, yeah. I should call it the Australian, you know, just the regular, like what you do when you race, you know, that kind of swimming. Uh, and, but he was perfect. He had he had flow, you know, just like rappers do. He had flow yeah. in the water, I mean, and I would just be wow. transfixed by watching him swim back and forth. But that, other than that memory, 
uh, just riding on his shoulders because I'm tall and he was tall. So when I rode on his shoulders, I was pretty high. I mean, for a little five-year-old, mm-hmm. four-year-old, that's mm-hmm. a, a huge height. So those are the only two memories. The rest is just uh, negative stuff, you know, just uh, uh, belts, beating with belts and yeah. uh, his anger and doing the wrong thing. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> looking, looking so I back. Him. Yeah, looking back, why was he angry? Well, because uh, he was, uh, I was, well, one was I was smarter than him. So that that was really a big one. And uh, okay. then uh, I had it explained to me that because uh, I went to a therapist, you know, figure that out. And what what he explained, and it sounds pretty logical. Um, he said, Larry, how, what was your father's relationship with your mom? And I said, well, uh, you know, they uh, it was an arranged marriage kind of. Uh, wow. So, yeah, he, their first, I'm a second generation immigrant from, uh, Austria and, uh, I don't know where, North, North, North. Austria, Europe, Hungary, Northern or Europe. was it? Yeah, was it yeah, Austria, yeah. Hungary, okay. or, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, Austria, Hungary, yeah, yeah. Wow, uh, yeah. Northern, kind wow. of Northern Europe. So, so they had, you know, a traditional yeah. thing. You go, you go to, your, your, your sons go to college and you support them when you're in your old age. You know, the, the European family setup. That, yeah, yeah, so yeah. he was brought up in that. So it was very strict. So he had a very strict upbringing. And then my mom was very independent. She uh, grew mm-hmm. up as very independent. She has four brothers. So she, okay. you know, she, and she was the oldest. Okay. So she ran, you know, uh, like, you know, ran the show for my mom and for my grandfather and my grandmother. So she had responsibility. So he had a cow's house to her. So the, the psychiatrist, the therapist said, oh, he, he didn't like that. Yeah. He didn't like that. And he said, who, who, how, who is the young, uh, you know, what was, you were the first male. So you were his son. So yeah, he's going to take it out on you. So that that's where it came from. Yeah. Okay. So he was very frustrated in his job too. He never really reached the heights that he wanted to. He was a uh, an accountant. Uh, okay. And he wanted to be, you know. So it was like that. Wow. Let me um, ask you a question. Now. Okay. <laughs> I want to Go skip ahead. ahead. I dare I wanna, you. I want to skip ahead. Just no. a second. Um, so you'd said you, your parents were brought up in the European style. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Can you juxtapose? Can you juxtapose that with, I guess, the American style? Like con- well, contrast. Well, okay. It's it yeah. is what the politics are now. Is what my home was then. A lot of misinformation disinformation just didn't oh. know wrong directions wrong uh beatings were good violent i mean not not violent violent i mean he ne- he never drew blood but <laughs> but yeah. i mean hey, he would take off when i saw him go for his belt buckle that 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 was uh here comes a lot of trouble man uh he mm-hmm. would slide his belt out you know fold it in half and wham uh, so that, and that, that's European style of, you know, the, the, the hard, hard, okay. tough love. But, but when you were tough love, it was misinformed love. It was, you know, weird, 
It was just a stupid love, you know. Just misinformed. Do, this, do that. Misinformed, misinformed love, you know. Well, uh, like, uh, okay, I, I, I'll give you an example. This is in the, in the book, but I'll give you an example of how he treated my sister because that was me watching it go down instead of, you know, the discombobulation of having the, the violence on myself. Uh, he, my sister, I was like, so she was, she was four, so I was nine. Okay, so I was old enough to grok the situation. Uh, she left her slippers in the bathroom. Uh, that was the big deal. And okay. he called her in there. He would always, he was call, whenever there was a wrong in the house, like if I left something on the kitchen that should have been in the living room, he would call, you know, Larry, get in here, you know, to the, where it was. And so he called my sister. Carolyn, get in here, the bathroom. She goes into the bathroom, pick up your slippers. And we, both of us, kind of were on our own trip. I mean, even though she was five and I was nine. I mean, we, we knew not to listen to our parents. That was, that was, that was what we learned. Don't listen to them. I mean, wow. we did what they had to say, but don't believe it. But they yeah, okay. Wow. Yeah. So he called her into the bathroom. He said, pick up your slippers. And I heard her say no. And I heard, Whap! And then I go, oh, and then I heard a cry. So I yeah. walked in, uh, into the hallway and I was watch, uh, watching this. And so he, he stood and he said, pick up your slippers and take them into your bedroom. And she uh, just, I mean, this a four-year-old, five-year-old kid going, no. And I yeah. thought, wow, man, that is so cool. And he goes, pick them up. No. Whap! And he just oh, it hit her again. And, and, and she started to cry. So he said, you know, and so here was the rhythm. It was a, pick it up, no, whack, pick it up, no, whack, pick it up, no, whack. And my mother heard this, and he just started to wail on her. There's a five-year-old kid, and I remember the, and the reason I say that to you now is because my mother ran, and I remember her running in and from behind, grabbing him from behind, and locking her hands around his chest so his Arms were pinned to his side. She wrapped her arms around yeah. him from the back. And she said, stop it, stop it. You'll kill her. And uh, so he, she said, you know, go away, Carolyn. You know, she told him, get out mm. of the bathroom. Go away. So, so she calmed him down. So that's what was going on. I would get the same thing. You know, it was, yeah. it was just not a, not a cool play. Now, that didn't go on all the time, man. But, yeah. but every once in yeah. a while, it just kept us on edge. And then, you know, she married a, a, a Spanish-American, finally, and that just fucking, holy so, cow, that was, so Larry, si stop her. So your sister married a, married a Spanish person. A Spanish, well, I, you know, I, I, yeah, you know I'll, I'll tell you the exact thing that went down. Uh, okay. It's weird. Uh, well, it's not weird, it's just, uh, so... Uh, he he came to me one day. Now now she's like eighteen or seventeen, and I, I he who your your father or your sister my father, father came okay. to came to my came to me. I was okay, home okay. from college, so and she was okay. seventeen or eighteen, or maybe she was even sixteen. I don't know, but she was dating, you know. So he okay. came to me and he said, "Hey, listen, you got to talk to your your sister." Uh, uh -huh. now, now he's talking to me like you know one to one, like you know, hey, us guys got to talk about this. Yeah, okay, what? Uh, your sister is marrying, uh, uh, I can't remember, Charlie. Charlie, she's gonna, she's dating Charlie. Yeah. 
so. Well, he's uh, he's, he's Mexican. Yeah. Ah. Well, I mean, you know, they they might get married. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he's <laughs> you know he's he's Mexican. He, he's. Well, yeah. Well, okay. So he's Mexican. Yeah. I mean, I, what's the point, Dad? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not going to work. Why uh, isn't it going to work? Well, it's just probably he's Mexican and she's American. Uh, well, I mean, he, he <laughs> that was his heritage. I mean, he was an American. Yeah. You know, but so he's Mexican, she's American. Uh, it's not going to work. So it doesn't work. Okay. What's the, okay. A lot of marriages don't work. You know, I was going to say, how about this one? But, uh, I didn't say that. So right. a lot of marriages don't work. She says, well, they'll get divorced. Okay, so they get divorced. Oh. A lot of people get divorced, Dad. It's okay. Then they get remarried again or they don't. It's okay. Look, Larry, you don't understand. What don't I understand? Larry, he's, she is going to marry a spit. And I said, no, 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 Dad, she's not going to marry a spit. He's going to marry a kite. And when I said that, man, the roof, I mean, he, he wouldn't yeah. hit me. That's how yeah. mad he was. He didn't dare to hit me because he knew he would kill me. I mean, he just went, he just, his face got all red and he just, and he just walked away. And he didn't speak to me. This is really weird. He didn't speak to me for two fucking weeks, man. To sit at a dinner table and have your father pretend that you don't exist is the weirdest way to eat dinner you've ever seen. Because he would actually say, Carolyn, you know, I'm she's sitting on one side of me, and he's sitting at the head of the table, which is on the other other side of me. Yeah. So he wouldn't say to me, Larry, pass the salt. He would say to her, Carolyn, pass me the salt, and he wouldn't <laughs> take it from me. She had to hand it to him across me. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, and my mother was just going, and finally, after two weeks, and he wouldn't talk to me at all. And so finally, after two weeks, my mother said, if you don't start talking to your son, I'm leaving. And that broke the, the silence. She found. But, but she was serious, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, oh, I just grew up in a weird. Uh, to, see, that stuff is to me weird. I don't know so, what weird means to other people, but what I just so is weird. Okay, so you said it. I mean, I, I used to work um, with a Jewish. Um, organization in town so i could read your name and sort of surmise that you were jewish um, oh yeah so okay let me ask you a question then yeah Be- um i wasn't sure but i i could kind of guess do you speak yiddish not at all okay and and and, and do you want, I I think it's interesting to know why I didn't because I kind of figured it out. Okay. Um, I was I was brought up to be one of the things about the the European way is I was brought up to be a good son. Now uh, because you're little and your parents are very big, you tend to listen to them unless it occurs to you or it's told to you that that's wrong. So. A lot okay. of the information and disinformation, I kind of understood they're telling me wrong things, but I didn't know what the right thing was. Okay. So, um, so now, okay, so your question is, what, what my original what, 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 what
My original question was, do you speak Yiddish? And you said... Okay, so okay, so that was a setup. That, that's the okay. reason why this happened. So as a good son, I, I, I tried to be good, except when I, when I wasn't or thought I better not be or this is wrong, I'm not going to be. But other, if those... So those are the genres of thoughts I had to choose from. So I, okay. I thought, okay, I'm a good son. They're talking in Yiddish. That means they don't want me to understand what they're talking about. So that means, this is little kid's logic now. So that means they don't want to hear, we don't want me to understand. So that means I shouldn't understand. So I shouldn't learn it. So they can huh. keep it from me. Yeah. Wow. That was, yeah. Yeah. That. That was the logic I was brought up in my house until I moved out and went to college. It's or, well, strange. You know, when I, it, uh, it just, it, yeah, it just fucked so, mind up. It's so strange that that's so deeply ingrained. Yeah. Here yeah. you are, like, older, and you yeah. remember that logic, and you're able oh, to oh, work yeah. it through with me. I mean, that's really strange well uh it, because it bothered me because once i hit greenwich village yeah. you know i when i went to college and i was a, a weird guy i've always been a weird guy i mean when i say tell me about that weird well in other words i thought in different ways i i, okay. I think i have a i have a very high iq okay uh, that just they they told that to me when i was in public school uh you know so and i just accepted that as okay and and so then when i started to think differently i mean just i would come up with weird answers that didn't quite follow logic maybe and sometimes i was wrong but i thought well i got a high iq so it's got to be right i mean that again was my logic <laughs> and then there was they fucked up my thinking thing yeah yeah, yeah 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 you know so i would do it my way so i learned so that's what i learned that i carried with me is i do things your own way because no matter what you do or say, Larry, it's going to be wrong. That, yeah. That's what my parents sent me out into the world with. Yeah. And all my logic came off of that truism. Yeah. Everything you say is wrong. I remember when I went to uh, Detroit, because I went to college as an industrial designer, because I thought oh, design meant art. And you worked, okay, so you worked in Detroit at, Where'd no, no, I didn't. Uh, what, what, what I did was, I was an A student in college oh, okay. because I was a good drawer and I and I was trying to be a good student, like I was trying to be a good son. So I okay. tried to do my best, uh, you know, okay. kind of with blinders on. In other words, just yeah. here, but you know, once, yeah. okay. So um, they uh, there was something going on when I. Oh, right. So I didn't. So they would. They said, you have to go to college, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to paint. So they know okay. you have to go to college. So I said, OK, I'll be a good son. I'll go to college. You know, not I didn't want to, but I was trying to be a good son. So I went to college and um, they said, but you can't go very far away. You know, okay. they wanted, you know, that control thing. OK, so I went to Syracuse, which was. Um, uh, upstate New York. Uh, uh, yeah, upstate, uh, upstate New York. So um, the reason that I went, I chose Syracuse was because I saw industrial design and mistakenly with that logic that I had in my head was that 
industrial design meant design meant art, and industrial design meant how art influences industry and industry influences art. Wrong, Larry. <laughs> so I went, and no, it's, it's calculus and engineering and all that stuff. So that just blew my mind right there because, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that. I thought this was art. So I was, so I got thrown out a lot and I always talked my way back in because I would be using machinery in different ways and stuff. But, but, so in other words, my, my choice of college was totally wrong because I thought yeah. I was going to go to art school. So that was like five years, that five year course. So that was, you- and it never occurred to me to leave. I was kicked out twice. And in the book, I, I remarked okay. that, uh, you know, they say, well, what is, uh, somebody asked me a question. What is the, what do you regret? Anything you regret? And yeah, yeah. It, I was thrown out of college twice and I always talked my way back in. And I, my regret is that I didn't stay thrown out the first time. You know, I kept on going back because I wanted to be a good son. I didn't want my parents to understand uh, that I got thrown out. So I would always say, no, don't tell my parents. You know, I'll be good. I'll, I'll do it right. You know, and, and I just so fucked up, man. So okay. uh, so when I graduated, I didn't go to uh, Detroit because when I uh, they sent for us, Detroit, Ford Motor Company sent for the top students in the top five colleges of, of uh, industrial design. So me okay. and another guy from Syracuse went. There was ten other. There was eight other students. We were given a tour just so we would, when we left college, we would go to Ford Motor Company to design cars. So in the tour, uh, I picked up a plaster of Paris car that uh, was in the design department uh, there. Uh, all, all the designers had their own big desk, you know, and they all had their projects on the desk. So I was the yeah. only one who picked up something, you know. So yeah. it was a plaster of Paris ca- uh, little car, about five inches. Yeah. Or, uh, so I was looking at it. So the tour guide, who was one of the hired designers there, it was this Saturday, nobody was around. So he came over to me, you know, he left a little group, and he comes, he says, oh, you like that, huh? And I go, no, actually, I, I don't. You know, it's kind of a, I was expecting more from Ford Motor Company. So he just looked at me, I said, and I thought, ah, see, I just said the wrong thing. Then I, there was something else a little later, and I said, again, I said the, the wrong thing, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, right, I said, oh, why are you showing me this if we're not going to be able to be here? You know, I was just complaining. And he said to me, you don't really want to work here, do you? I mean, he said it in a very stern, you know, like, you, you little fucking twerp. You know, one of those guys. You don't really want to work here, do you? And I I said, well, frankly, no. That's why I came. I just want to see what's going on. You know, I was very very innocent. I didn't think I said anything wrong. So he said, well, what's Why didn't you want to work there? I'm just curious. Because, because, okay, here's the answer. Because I thought in my head, as soon as he said that, I thought in my head, there's nothing I can say in this city that will be right. That's what I thought. I said, oh, here's, here's a place where, just like my house, this is, I'm wrong here. So I, 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 so I said, okay, fine. And then when I went back to, to Syracuse, they actually yeah. said, don't send Larry Hankin. That's what they said. They wanted to <laughs> 
So I thought that was a gift from God, you know. Oh. So I went to my friend, my best friend in college was Carl yeah. Gottlieb, who was later to write all the Jaws movies. But Wait a he, minute. You know, I, okay, hang on. Yeah. Okay, when I was looking at your IMDb. Yeah. That Carl Gottlieb. Yeah, that Carl Gottlieb. Okay, yeah. That guy. So, okay, okay. So he went to Syracuse in the drama department. And okay. I was in the art department. Okay. So I went to him and I said, uh, you know, hey, man, we were going to graduate at the same time, even though we were in different <laughs> departments. And I went to him and I said, where are you going after you graduate? This is like, you know, about, you know, three, four weeks before graduation. Okay. I said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to Greenwich Village. I'm going to be a writer, man. And I said, wow, Greenwich Village. And he said, where are you going? I said, well, I'm not going to Detroit. I, I, I just don't want to go there, man. I mean, I, I went there. First of all, I signed up for the for the wrong college. I didn't want to be an industrial designer. I've done five years. I'm not going to continue. So let me go with you. You want a roommate? Let's let's yeah. go to. So he said, "Yeah." Let's. So I said, "Fine, man." So I I told my parents. Uh, I got in a big, huge fight right after that uh, on on the on the graduation night, defending a girl again. Another stupid, you know. Yeah. Guys can't hit girls, kind of fight. You know, hey, you did you hit her? Yeah. She comes yeah. back in here, I'll hit her again. I said, okay, bam, and I just fucking cold cocked them, man. <laughs> it was a beautiful shot, but then he just beat the crap out of me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but it was a good shot, man. It was a good shot. Yeah, glad I did it. Uh, so uh, I, I, I could I, my my excuse then another gift from God. God gives me weird gifts. Because I went to, I couldn't go to Detroit because uh, my arm had been uh, dislocated, uh, uh. I was all beat up and swollen, and I couldn't use my hand, you know, until it <laughs> healed anyway. So I told my parents, yeah. I can't go, you know, I have to go with Carl to Greenwich Village. I'm too beat up, you know, I can't use yeah. my hand. And so I went to I Greenwich ca- Village. That was a gift. So the immigrant, uh, the immigrant people that I've ever met, right? Yeah. If you tell, if you were to tell them even today, oh, I'm not going to go work for Ford. I'm going to go hang out with my college roommate in Greenwich Village. Right. They, they probably would flip out. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. But I was ready for that. In other words, I had yeah. trained, you know, for 18 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I knew how to avoid it, man. I just like either called <laughs> from the phone or, or, or I, yeah. wasn't, I, I didn't go near them. I would sit it from the yeah. other side of the room. But yeah. uh, there was no turning back. I mean, other, even if they sent me to the hospital, uh, they they would never do that. I mean, they, they weren't that. My father wasn't that violent. But but even if he did, I would still go to Greenwich. I mean, the the, the die had been cast. You know, there was uh-huh, no going uh-huh. back. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. going to Greenwich Village. Right. And that that decision of me going that is what broke the mold of the immigrant uh, okay. European upbringing, the, the, the white middle class upbringing. Uh, because yeah. from then on, I, I was a rebel. I mean, I just, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah. cops were pulling me off the stage and I was doing comedy, but I was doing Lenny Bruce, I was doing George Carlin, I was doing Richie Pryor. Well, okay, when you say, hang on, let me, let me back you up. Let me, okay. okay. When you say I was doing Lenny Bruce, I was doing Richard Critical Pryor. thinking, critical thinking. I started uh, to, uh, I immediately fell into, I, I went into Greenwich Village as a, as a clean slate. 
I, ah. I said, okay, I had paid my dues to my parents. And okay. that's, that's the, that is the verbatim thinking that I had. I okay. paid my dues to my parents. It's over. Okay. I went to college. The contract is off. Right. And I, I just cut them out. I, I and later on, uh, my my father disinherited me. I mean, it was that that was that bad, man. It was, it wow. was the animosity wow. between us. Yeah, that's a big move. That is a heavy yeah. move to disinherit your first male son. I mean, I only had a sister, so he disinherited yeah. his progeny. You know, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I accepted it. I thought it was cool. I thought, you know, hey, hey. So God. you you were doing comedy like the move. Yeah, I was so doing you were doing comedy, comedy like Lenny Bruce and Rick, Richard Pryor right, right. and okay, George so, Carlin. And police were pulling me off the stage and people were coming out. We would be able. It was the 60s, man. You know, Bob okay. Dylan had just shown up. So, right. you know, so, we didn't even know about him yet. So one of my one of my best and I, I would just I would love to not ask you this question. But Go one ahead. of my best, you one of my to. best friends on the in the whole world is a serious, um, serious George Carlin fan. Oh, so I just need to know. Yeah, he's going to yell at me if I don't ask you this. Can you yeah. tell me about maybe you know George Carlin and Richard Pryor and Leonard Bruce and how what they were like as people? They were they were just like me. Okay. They, they were they they weren't. Uh, Lenny was the nicest guy. He would come when I was playing in the committee, and he would come through. I've seen him four in in person four times. I haven't seen any other comedian live four four times. But okay. Lenny, I would go. I would wherever he was. Yeah. So uh, when we, I was in the committee, Lenny Bruce would the, come. The committee. The what's the, what's the committee? The committee in San Francisco. Oh, the committee was uh, after I left college. I went to uh, Greenwich Village and I did stand up, you know, the open mic nights, three minutes. Oh, okay. And when okay. I started doing critical, critical material, I started uh, opening for Woody Allen and Miles Davis. Oh so yeah, was, yeah. You know, sharp. And I, you know, I had to, yeah. I, I had that sharp, you know, thing. <laughs> so, uh, I, I got a manager that way. And then, uh, once I left Greenwich Village with critical thinking, I, uh -huh. uh, the crowds were just like my father. Uh, in yeah. other words, you had to yeah. find your own audience. So Woody's yeah. audience and Miles' audience was my audience, but Woody's wasn't. But I was being booked across the board. So I, w I would open for Woody. I would open for the Kingston Trio. And Woody's audience and the Kingston Trio were not my audience. They're not Lenny Bruce, Richie Pryor, oh. you know, George Carlin audiences. So, okay. so I had, a, so I saw, oh man, if I open for Miles, I'm cool with the audience. And Miles wanted me to go on tour with him. But I wanted to stay in the United States. He was going to tour Europe. But they were my audience. And I had a, if I was going to stay in the United States, I couldn't open anymore. But I did the Playboy circuit. And, man, Hefner got really PO'd at me for getting high, uh, smoking <laughs> a marijuana. Uh, oh so he, he just blew me, blew me off of the circuit. I mean, I was doing the Playboy <laughs> And I did the, yeah. you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Playboy at Night. It was a half hour TV show, black and white TV show. Wow. And I was on it with the Smothers Brothers, but I had done a, I smoked some hash or something beforehand, before going yeah. to the green room. Yeah. And, and, uh, Hefner found out about it. And he was pissed, man. He, he stopped me in the middle of my interview because he, he sensed that I was, I was high. 
so he just went, he said, oh, thank you very much, Larry. And uh, he went on to, I was sitting on the couch with Tommy and, and his brother, his mother's brothers. So he yeah. just went over to them. He started talking to them. Like, he totally ignored me. And I thought, yeah, he knows I smoke. Uh, so uh, when I got off the stage, I, you know, when, when the show was over, uh, I was, I, I learned from my manager that my tour of the Playboy clubs had been canceled. So, so it was things like that. Cops pulling me off the stage, people coming out wow. with beer bottles, get the fuck off the stage. So I joined Second City because my manager said, look, they're doing prior material and Lenny material, but they, they own the theater. So join. So I did. I auditioned. I got into there. Mm. And then five of us uh, split and we formed the committee in San Francisco. So that's how I got to be. Oh, that. okay. That's so what the, okay. So, okay. And the committee was kind of a, um, it was uh, second city it was a rival. We, we were just as famous as, yeah. We, I was there for 10 years in San Francisco. We were, we were a, a tourist attraction. You know, they would advertise yeah. us in yeah. the, in the tour guide for San Francisco. Look to me, <laughs> well, just like Chicago with, you know, second city. Yeah. So yeah. So, and, and there I was happy because we were doing our stuff and my, actually my, um, manager was right. We could do anything we want. I was still doing critical stuff, but it, we were improvising it. So, and we owned yeah. the theater. So, so by cool. by critical stuff, okay. Yeah. I feel like critical thinking. So, is that a school of comedy, or is that like yes. you just okay, okay, okay? Critical right. thinking means that you are a satirist. There's a difference between being a comic oh. and a satirist. Okay. A All satirist right. has a, uh, it was explained to me, satirist okay. has a knife in his boot. A oh, pirate. yes, yes, okay. That's all. It's a right. comedian with, yes. a, with, a, with a shiv. Yeah. There <laughs> was a, there, I, I love talking, the reason I'm kind of chuckling is I, I love talking to folks like you because, you know, it's like you're, a, and I mean this in the best way imaginable. Like you're you're a living museum. Yeah, you, you can tell me the <laughs> yeah. you can tell me the you know Richard Pryor the and, and the exactly exactly the exactly the backstory exactly and it's just so so cool to hear somebody like you talk about all this. Oh, and, well, great! Thank you. Well, that's why that's I was cool. chuckling. I don't know if you heard, but that's why I'm yeah, just yeah, chuckling yeah. because it's just amazing. Um, I thought it was because I was funny. <laughs> well, I, 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 for better for for better or worse, yeah. I've always loved history. For better or worse, I've oh, just cool. always loved well, history. Oh, cool! Well, that's good for you, man. Good for you. And like the other day, I, I listened to an audio clip of Doctor Naismith, the guy that invented basketball, talk oh, about wow. inventing basketball. Oh, and right. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Oh, well, and you're it, that. Right. Well, it's just, it's amazing to me, the world we live in, how for the first time ever, like you can, you can hear, you can easily access like people right, and hear right. about how things were and, and whatever. And so, okay, so you're in San Francisco, you've, you've right. started this committee. So how did you, um, okay, obviously you're, you're a character actor. So how did you get into, character acting like how did that happen i never wanted to be a character actor i never wanted to be a 
an actor. I never wanted to be an improver. I just wanted to be a stand-up comedian. That's all I ever wanted to be, or an artist. I wanted to be an artist first, and that okay. that didn't work out because of college. So an artist, so like, I, a, I, like, like a like a visual artist, like a yeah, like a painter, 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 okay, painter. Okay. painter. Uh, yeah. And um, that didn't work out because I, I went to the wrong college and blah, blah, blah. And then Carl and I went to Greenwich Village and I was exposed to the first time in in other kinds of thinking. And, and, and Lenny Bruce and Richie Pryor and all yeah. that. That was yeah. never before. And so um, I it was critical thinking. I said, oh, my God. Maybe maybe I do have a high IQ. Maybe I am smart, you know. And, and so, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, I found out that all the people in Greenwich Village in the '60s, when I was just you know doing my three minutes uh, uh, open mic nights, and I started to then do just the, the Saturday shows, which is you can do ten minutes or twenty minutes, and I, you know I was the MC on Saturday and Sunday, and doing three minutes during the week. Um, but the, all the rest of the Greenwich Village was filled with everybody else who was famous in the 80s and 90s. Bob Dylan, <laughs> Frank Zappa, uh, just everybody, uh, Tom Rush. Oh, oh my God. Um, all, the, all the famous people of the oh 80s God. and 90s were there, and they weren't yeah. famous. But they all came to see me, and I came to see them. I went to see them. We were all in a five-block area. I mean, it was just coffee houses. And uh, Bob Dylan was playing in that coffee house, and I was playing in this coffee house. And years and years later, when Bob Dylan played Ber- Berkeley for his concert, when he was yeah. Bob Dylan, uh, I was in San Francisco in the committee, in the committee, and Bob Dylan uh, came to see the committee to see me. And, I, and uh, this waiter came backstage and said, hey, Bob Dylan is in the, in the, in the lobby. It was after the last show on a Saturday night. And, and he said, Bob Dylan's in the uh, lobby and he wants to talk to you. Jeez. He wants to talk to me? What did you want to talk Jeez. to me about? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, <laughs> now all I know is when I was in Greenwich Village, you know, looking at all the other people, they, they were just good good performers. You know, I didn't know they were going to be yeah. famous later on. They were just good performers. So I would go in, and somebody said, go uh, see this guy, Bob Dylan. So I did. I, it was just in the Greenwich Village, uh, and uh, I walked out on him. That, that's how bad he was. No, he yeah. wasn't. That's how, that's how good he was. I wasn't wow. ready. See, I hadn't learned critical thinking yet. I had just showed up, and he was there already. So Jeez. I went to see him, and I walked out. So years later, this is like, I don't know, I think at least two years later when I was in the San Francisco on the committee, and he, he wanted to see me. I thought, oh my God, he wants to know why I walked out on him in Greenwich Village. That's what <laughs> I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. See, that's the only thought I could think of that I yeah. had connection to Bob Dylan because he was so far ahead of me and, you know, in thinking and doing and being. So oh, I went man. out there, and what he wanted me to do, and I didn't understand it. And his, uh, uh, I didn't understand what he was talking to me in flashing images which I later learned. And uh, huh. his, uh, road, he was with his road manager, uh, Bobby okay. Newman, who is a good friend of mine, and he's really funny. Bobby Newman right. is really funny. Okay, so what Bob Dylan wanted me to do was, and read me, he said, I, I said, wait a minute. He always said, I want you to write something for me. And I, I go, 
but you're a writer. What, what do you want me to write you something for? And he said, no, no. And he said, it's a, it's a film. I, I don't write films. I want you to write a film, a, a little film. A wow. And I go, well, what do you want me to write? And then he wrapped this thing out to me. And I go, and, and newer, we were in a, a bar. So let's get out of here. And we were at the committee. I, I said, let's go to a bar. She went to bar. And we're sitting there. And then newer immediately saw my body language and my face. And right in front of me, we're sitting in the booth. And he, he, he elbows Dylan and he goes, this guy doesn't know what the hell you're talking about, Bob. Which he was right. I didn't. I didn't know what he was talking about. And so he, Bob said to him, right in front of me, they're talking about me, right in front of me. He goes, yeah, I know, but let me just talk to him, okay? And so he kept on explaining, Bob, uh, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. is going to be tap dancing on the bar, and there's going to be wallpaper, is going to be newspaper, and we're going to have bleachers uh, on, on a highway, and, and it's going to be, and you're going to write this. And I go, and that's when Newark said, he doesn't know what you're talking about. That's when Dylan said, yeah, yeah, I know. So finally, he gave up because I didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, so he get, they, they said, okay, goodbye, and I'll, I'll see you. Uh, we have to go back to do a mic uh, thing or whatever in Berkeley. So he said, but he said, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Fine. And, and, and they left. And what it turned out was, I finally figured it out uh, about a couple of months later, was it was MTV. He wanted me to do an MTV video. That's what he wanted me to do. And he was writing, uh, put a lot of bleachers out in the sun. Where's that going to happen? Highway 61. He was writing that song. What year wanted, is that? What uh, year uh, about uh, was 60, that? 60, I don't know, 60, yeah, early 60s, very early Jesus, 60s. Jesus, he, he was thinking about, he was thinking about music videos back in. Well, no, this was, I, no, yeah, no, no, I mean, yeah. But what you got to understand is <laughs> music videos had just hit in mm. New York. And mm -hmm. he's from New York. And all I could think of was as I'm walking out to to the lobby in, in, in San Francisco, yeah. I yeah. was thinking, um, wait a minute, he's from New York and he wants to talk to me. And we're in San Francisco now. I know he's playing Berkeley, but that means that somewhere in New York, she knew about me and was talking about me. So that was blowing my mind. That, that how does he how does he come here when he's in New York and he's coming here to San Francisco? So what? Do what you, it, do what you think he out, came there to find you? Yeah, because I asked him at the table right before we left for the bar. Wow. I said, Look. I said, how do you, why are you here to talk to me? Because I didn't want to admit to him that I didn't know what he was talking about, about the film. So I, I kind of sidestepped the question and I said, or his explanation. I said, hold it, hold it, Bob. Just a second. Why, why are you talking to me? How did you find me? You are in New York. You're playing Berkeley. I'm in San Francisco. What are you doing here? Why did you, are you talking to me? I just was as honest as I could be. And he said, you used to work in Greenwich Village, right? I go, yeah. He said, well, I was in Greenwich Village at the same time, right? Remember? I go, wow. well, yeah, but you were at the, uh, the uh, owl, the something owl. I go, yeah. And, and I was, he said, well, I used to go see you. What? You went in, in Greenwich Village. You were playing. You, ah. do, you were doing open mic nights. You were doing 
you were doing emceeing stuff, I used to come see you. You're really a funny guy. Yeah. I go, holy shit. So that was the, the only thing that I understood. I, I know, <laughs> and right? I mean, and to me, weird, man. To me, it's like the the updated version of that, right? Is like when I when I I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this in stereo, right? Okay. I'm gonna change the format, and I'm gonna put it on the back end of my my uh, my website. Okay. And I'm gonna hit publish. And as soon as I hit publish, I mean, yeah. there's a number that my pod provider gives me, but uh-huh. I don't think that's the number. I don't think that's the real number. And because I'll get people, oh, I heard your show. And some of these people are like professors and <laughs> like that. Oh, it, oh, right. Yeah. It just blows my mind. All right. The people yes. That have heard me talk into this microphone or this phone or whatever. Right, right, exactly. That's it. My mind. Right. <laughs> so in a exactly. in a very in a very real way, I yeah. totally understand what you're talking about. I completely exactly. get it. Now <laughs> let me let me ride on on that on your comment there. Uh, you said yeah. you liked history. Yes, sir. One of the things that I've always liked, and you've always liked that, right? History, you've always liked history? I mean, you know. I've always, I've always, well, I'll tell you. My great uncle uh, was Mm -hmm. instrumental in World War II. um, Oh, cool. And he told me something that, he told me kind of things that weren't necessarily in the history books. Right. And what's really crazy is, so I was walking around with knowledge that I, that he gave me for decades. Right. Right. And then I go back right. to college and I get into an argument with a professor because, you know, my uncle told me this and the professor said that. Right. And turns right. out, turns out my uncle had told me classified information <laughs> that had just become declassified after I even graduated. Wow, man. <laughs> and yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what was going on, man. You know, yeah. well, all right, yeah. here's here's a connection between you and me that uh, we both yeah. didn't know, uh, and that is okay. So you like history and things in the past, okay? I've always been fascinated, even as a child, because uh, we had no books in the house. It was you know vapid, but they did have the Encyclopedia Britannica, the whole set. So okay. that's what I used to read. I used to thumb through it, you know, just look up words or just turn to any page and read that page because it just was filled with information, man. And one of the things I was really fascinated about was uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And it wasn't because of his art so much. It was because of his inventions, you know, how he figured things out, like parachutes and tanks and shit that wasn't invented or even thought of for 500 oh, yeah. more years. And he oh, was yeah, catching man. them out and, and saying how that blah, blah, blah. So, uh, and that's why I went into industrial design. I thought, well, even if it's design, it's still art, but it's figuring out how things work. And that's really where my mind goes. If it's a joke or a tank, I want to know how it works. And, and you just and you right. said before, your, your history, you like how yeah. the backstory, how, where it comes from. That's my right. fascination. So there, there is yeah. a, you 
have a critical, you are a critical thinker, whether you oh, know yeah. it or not, you know. So, oh, but yeah. you probably do know it. So that's the connection, and I'm connected <laughs> to anything like that. Uh, or, or, or comedians or scholars who are critical thinkers. Well, so the thing to me, right, the thing to me, you know, is I've, I've spoken to people um, before that were that worked in the entertainment industry right. um, for different things in my life. And right. the striking thing to me is they either, a lot of them, not all of them for sure, but a lot of them, A, were incredibly intelligent. Right. But also, B, they were either immigrants or the children of immigrants or the grandchildren of immigrants. But there was always kind of this, like an outsider perspective. Right. Right. Well, like, aren't we an immigrant nation? I mean, it doesn't uh, seem yeah. strange to me. I mean, you my... Know, you got to come from somewhere. Nobody came from here. My immigrant, ancestors, my immigrant ancestors, some of them... You know, British school children learn about, but yeah, came yeah. <laughs> 1600s, yeah. but yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. Um, so how long were you out west, like in the west coast in LA? How long have you been out there? Uh, well, uh, since let me see, 60, we left there, 61, 62, 63 since 62. Somewhere around yeah. 62, I uh, went to, uh, I left Chicago and went to, I think 1961, the end of 1961. So you've been I, in I, I L.A. a long time. No, I've only uh, been, uh, well, I was there for 10 years. So from 61 to 71, I was in San Francisco, and then from 71 until now, I've been in L.A. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, okay. okay. So from 61 to now, you've been out, out in California. Yeah, um, yeah. What's the biggest change you've seen in the Hollywood industry, in the movie business? Wow. Uh, everything. I, I, a lot of people ask me now, you know, how, how can I get a start in, in show business and acting in Hollywood? And as I, I, there's nothing I can tell you. It's, all, it's totally different. It's digital now. When I started, I could walk into anybody's office in person and say, yeah. you know, uh, or go to the secretary and say, hey, uh, could I see, you know, Elia Kazan right now? And you go, yeah, let me see. Hey, you busy? No, yeah, let's, let's send him in. And I'd walk yeah. in. You can't do that now. I, I can't do that now. I can't, I can't do anything now. I'm trying to sell my book and I can't do that. I can't get a, an, I can't get an agent right now. I mean, I really? can. It's pos yeah, it is possible. There is the possibility of me getting an agent, but I have to write query letters. I have to make phone calls. Yeah. I have to get a somebody to recommend. I have to get recommendations or a uh, a viable lawyer. What that means is a lawyer, <clears throat> not just any lawyer, but a lawyer that is okay with the people that I'm trying to get in to see. It's so a very be, incestuous industry. It's a it's a brick. Fucking wall industry. It's okay. here's my definition of Hollywood. It's a brick wall surrounding quicksand, and in the middle of the quicksand is a little table with a phone on it, and the phone is ringing, and it's for you. Uh, you know get, what? Try to answer that phone. You Just know what? Get over the wall and through the quicksand. You know what strikes me is, is um. 
listening to you talk about this, not about your your you know your the, oh, the comedy, the, the, the anger, the anger. Well, no, 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 no. Well, okay. There's a scene in uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Yeah. Where uh, the Richard Dreyfus character, yeah, Mr. Holland. I, I don't remember it. I've seen it, but I don't remember it. But okay, go ahead. Well, there's a scene in this movie that you just hearing you talk. It's like I can hear it. I can I can wow. feel it. Yeah. Well, it's like I yeah. can feel the kind of not the frustration exactly, but the um like there's a scene in Mr. Holland's Opus where he's you know his his job is going to get axed by the county, and uh-huh. he's sitting there in the board meeting and he's saying, "Well, I taught all of you to play this, and I taught you to do that, and." There must be in your head, there must honestly be, okay, like you grew up watching Home Alone. Like you grew up watching Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Like, right, you know what right. I'm saying? There must be a part of you that just wants to, <laughs> you know. I, exactly. Well, well, well let me, yeah, wow, man. Yeah, actually, you're, you're quite accurate in your uh, assumptions. They're, they're all cool. Um, here, I have a parallel story to what you're talking about. Um, to get a book published, which is out of my bailiwick, it's out of my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm a, I'm a comedian. I'm a character actor. I quit. I don't yeah. want to do that anymore. I want to write. So being a book guy now, a writer now, that's a different genre and it's a different set of people that you talk to. So you're right. Yeah. Um, so I'm writing these query letters trying to talk about the book that I wrote. Oh, you should get this. you, you got to publish this book. It's really a great book. It's funny. It's needed. It's blah, blah, blah. It's this is that. And I, But I, so I'm talking to my friend who's a novelist who's re- wrote a couple of books now and he knows how the book yeah. part works. He said, he, so I sent them my query letter, and I keep on changing them and stuff like that. So I sent them my query letter. I said, could you critique this and tell me if you know I'm doing it right, or because I'm not getting any feedback, I'm not getting any well, answers. Maybe I can so, help you. Well, well, wait a minute. Yeah. So that's okay. so that's what he said. He said, and he reads it, and he says, Larry, why don't you just talk about who you who you are, not who you want to be, because they don't give a fuck about who you want to be. But they sure as damn know who you are, and you're a character actor. So in your query letter, put down, you know, you're in Home Alone, man. You're in, uh, you know, Breaking Bad. You're in uh, Escape from Alcatraz. Mm. It's mm. not on your query letter. You're trying to talk up your writing skills, and you haven't been published yet, so they don't know. And they're not going to read your manuscript if they don't know, how, you know, how good a writer. So well, me, that was the instructions. Talk about my acting. Let me tell you. Um, let me tell you a little tale. Go. And then, okay. So last week or two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. When this was getting set up, um, yeah. I was surfing Facebook for something else, and and. I, I ran into, or your, I don't know, publicist, agent, whatever you call it. Steve, um, yeah, he's a publicist. He's, okay. a, he's an agent. He's an agent of publicist. Steve Jordan. Okay. So he put this thing on Facebook, and I responded, because I'm always looking for, for any kind of guests I can get. And, and they're all equally, they're all fascinating in one way or another. Oh, uh, right, but, yeah. But some are more fascinating than others. But he said, Larry Hankin. And I didn't know who you were. And then we started. Right, to, right. Nobody does. 
Well, he started Denae, talking Denae, to me. Denae. He started talking to me, and then like I got you know I put him on speaker and got on my phone and like looked at your picture and I'm, oh this guy okay wait no he no no home- stop right there wait wait stop right there this guy the name of my book is that guy because everybody oh yeah. that guy he's in yeah okay go ahead <laughs> okay that's a great name for. That's, That's a great name for a book. It's well, but, That's the name of my book, man. You you almost got it right on. But Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, it's a great movie, man. It's so I love that movie. And as soon as yeah. you know, and but he told me like your backstory, and I was like, oh wow, that's what I want to talk. Oh wow, that'd be so cool to talk about. Because like, here's the thing, you've yeah. got all these people, and so in the none too distant future, we're all going to be, you know, all these actors are going to be acting in Marvel movies and DC movies and whatever else. And they're not going to be doing planes, trains, and automobiles or escape from Alcatraz oh, right, stuff or right, whatever. Right. Yeah. And, but also like, there's this whole, like you lived a life before you even acted. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, exactly. yeah. you lived a yeah. life. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and I try to put it in the book. My yeah, because I thought I have a wow, I have an interesting life. I should write this down. So but I, I did before I wanted to forget it. Yeah, but I had an author. My last podcast, my most recent podcast I released, I had an mm-hmm. author who explained to me that the way to get published by a book is to go on Amazon and to release your thing digitally, and then once they see sales. Your the 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 dinosaur publishing companies. Will, will oh pick you up. wow, that's a good hint, man. Because so I'm trying to get a publisher, so I should just publish it myself. Is what this you guy should publish it on Amazon. But I mean, I'd read right. it. I mean, you know. Oh, I'm, I, <laughs> I I know I totally all my fans it. will read it. Uh, <laughs> whenever I do a podcast, I talk about the book a little, you know, and then they talk about the, all my stuff. But but at the end of it. The, the the podcasters and then the people who write in say, oh, where can I get the book? That's a great book. I want to read it. Because they're my fans. I found okay. my, my fans finally. So here's what you want. Book out there. Here's what you want to do. And I'm just Tell me. Tell saying. me. I'm all ears. You want to go or have somebody help you go on Amazon.com or whatever and try right. to see how to, I mean, I don't know mechanically exactly how to do it. Uh-huh. But you want to make it an ebook. You want to make it an ebook and just put it out on Amazon. And, you know. Right. And then eventually, according to this guy on my show, like, you, once they see the results from right. the ebook, then you can whatever, right? Right. Like, then you You're can right. make it a paper right. book. Right. Exactly. So, but that's what I would do, honestly. Well, that but, that, uh, that fits with a lot of things that uh, I, I've heard, and I'm I'm starting to lean towards. Uh, yeah, it's uh, no, you're not the first person uh, who, who's told yeah. me this. Uh, I mean, it's just that I've been trying every other way, and this sounds like the right way. Yeah, I mean, here I am, this guy that I wanted to be a professor when I grew up, and you know, uh-huh. I'm not a professor when I grew up. But, but you got I'm, that mindset. But, but my podcast, my first season of my podcast is being cited in academic papers all over the world. So, I mean. Uh, no no doubt. 
I, I totally, yeah. totally understand why. So it's like, you know, Get it the old there. world doesn't work anymore. You have to, you oh, have boy, to do the new it. world now. You right. have to. Well, <laughs> but, but to find out how to do the new world, exactly. I mean, okay, yeah. I've been doing this query letter book thing for like four months now, and you're the first person who's actually told me what you just told me, although it's been hinted at throughout the four months. It's just been I've been so busy trying to learn query yeah. letter writing that I didn't put it together. What you just okay. did is put it together in one little speech. But uh, I totally yeah. understand it, and that's what I'm going to do. Okay, I, I'm well, serious. That's I'm, I'm happy. Do. I'm happy to help you, sir. But well, you you just did. Thank you. Uh, so you're, you're right. I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I know you're right. And, and you know what? This, this moment, be- this moment between two men is going to stay right in the show because, by God. But well, no, I mean, the- you know, <laughs> well, I, I get up. We're both on this show. We're both doing these kinds of shows for a couple of reasons, but one of them is just to get ourselves out there and me to also learn how to get myself out there. And there's as much information as I'm giving you and the other interviewers as as much information as I'm getting. So, you know, it goes both ways, man. Yeah, it goes both ways. But it does. Yeah, it goes both ways. Um, okay, so my younger me, little little boy Ben me, would sue myself yeah. for for malpractice without uh-huh. and please in, please indulge me <laughs> without going through. You, you got it. You got it. You were in some of my favorite movies growing up, so I, I have to ask. I'm I'm so yeah. sorry. Um, oh, go for it. You were in Home Alone. <laughs> yes, I was. How did that come to you? Well, that's a really interesting story. I mean, it will take about five minutes to tell you that. Is that okay? okay. No, it's, it's fine. A, it, oh, okay. I mean, because it's a, a very <laughs> serpentine way that ha- it happened. Um, I worked for John Hughes in a movie prior to that, a John Hughes movie called uh, She's Having a Baby. He directed okay. that. Okay. I was uh, – Okay. Um, so there was the cognizance in John Hughes' mind and other people around the, uh, uh, what, what, what do you call it? Uh, uh, other people who helped him make the movie. So, uh, my agent calls me one day and says, uh, what are you doing right now? And that's not a good thing for them to say to me because what it means is somebody just got fired. They need to hire somebody immediately. So you got to leave whatever you're doing and go audition now because they got to replace you to work tomorrow. So when they say, what are you doing now? That's, I don't like that. It's somebody got fired. Of my day. Some, no, no, it's an interruption of my day. That's okay. what that sounds like. So I said, what is it? He said, well, they're making a new movie. It's called Home Alone. John Hughes wrote it. Uh, it's a John Hughes movie. Christopher Columbus is directing it, but um, uh, the Joe Pesci and uh, Daniel Daniel Stern Daniel Stern uh, are the two co-leads uh, with Macaulay. So Daniel Stern, they've been, they've been shooting for three days, so they already started the movie. 
And now Daniel Stern, it turns out, my agent is telling me, wants to renegotiate his contract because Daniel Stern thinks it's going to be a big hit movie and he wants more money. You know, he's working for short bread. So he now doesn't, you know, he's, <laughs> he's refusing to go on camera. He's, he's, he's striking. So they called my, so they called my agent and they said, look, John, uh, Christopher Columbus doesn't want to negotiate with Daniel Stern. They don't want to give him more money. So they're going to fire him. So he has to either stop what he's doing and get, you know, start working or they're going to fire him. And John Hughes suggested you, Larry Hankin, to replace him. Uh, because you've worked with him before, John Hughes, and he knows and he directed you, so that's cool. So I said, oh wow, that's great. So he, so my agent says, sit by the phone, they're, they're negotiating with him right now. As we speak, they're on the phone with his people, and, uh, so wait by the phone. Within the hour, they're gonna have this thing, he's gonna be fired, or, or not. So just okay. now, okay. you have to work tomorrow. If they fire him, you have to work tomorrow in Chicago. So you got to get on the plane tonight. Pack your bags, put it by the couch, sit by the phone, and wait for a phone call. You, you'll know in within an hour. And sure enough, in about an hour or so, I get a call from my agent and saying, okay, Daniel Stern caved. It's off. There'll be other jobs, Larry. Goodbye. Boom. And I go, oh, man. That is such a stuff, man. Why did they do that? You know, I was okay. I was already spending the money, you know. I was okay. figuring Daniel was going to be fired. Okay. So I, I forgot about it. You forget about it. You know, you, 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 it's just another job. It's just, you have to do that or you go crazy, okay. you know, okay. as, as an actor. So I forgot about it. Okay. A week later, I my phone, my phone rings again. I go, Hi, it's my agent. He says, what are you doing right now? I go, oh, man, don't start doing it. Now what? And he goes, okay, listen, it's home alone again. Oh, now what? What? Now what? Now what don't they want me to do now? So he said, no, no, no. Listen to this. They called and they said, Daniel Stange is working. They don't want you to replace anybody. But the shoot, the actual project, they believe is cursed. That's, this is what they said. They think there's a kibosh on it. Why? Because they screwed you around with the Daniel Stern thing. Oh they God. set you up to fail, and now they feel guilty. But not only that, the shoot is not going well. Oh, and they wow. think it's because they did that to you. So they have to have you in the movie. That's why I'm calling and uh, so they want you in the movie. There's no question. And, uh, you know, it's yours to, to turn down. But here's the offer. Everybody okay. in the movie, all the parts in the movie have been uh, hired. You know, it's, it's, okay. they're shooting the movie, so it's all been cast. They yeah. can't fire anybody to get you in the movie because it's not just cause. So they had to write, they had to write a part for you, huh? Well, they had to write a part for me, but they not, but John Hughes will not do that. They're not going to change the movie just because they think the movie is cursed. But there's only one part that isn't cast, and John Hughes suggested get Larry in it, but get Larry in the movie. You have to keep shooting. You can't shut down. I mean, this okay. is a big thing. Okay. So he says uh, it's uh, only three lines, and uh, they know it's an insult. 
You know, first you're up for the, you know, co-starring role, the Daniel Stearns part, and now they're offering you three lines. So just listen to me, Larry, because there's more to it. I say, okay, because I'm not doing three lines. So fuck your movie. So he, he goes, okay. What they'll do is you have to start tomorrow. So you have to fly out tonight. The only part, it's a cop. It's, you know, you just, it's just a phone call. You're just on the phone. That's it. It's three lines. But they'll pick you up in a limousine. They will limo you to the airport. They'll fly you first class tonight. You'll get there. They'll put you up in a, in a first class hotel. When you get there tomorrow, they will pick you up with a limo, shoot, go to, and you will be the first shot. Uh, no, you shoot at 10 o'clock in the morning. They'll be set up for you. You will just get out of the limo, put your costume on, shoot your three lines, get back in the limo, get on a first class plane, and you can have dinner in your own apartment or in the restaurant the same day. So that, and they will offer you $10,000 if you will please do the part because it's cursed. Will you do it? And I say, fucking right I will. Let's do this. This is great. $10,000? So that's what, that's how I got the part. Now, just one, one last addition. About an, so I said, yes, I'm gonna do it. I, yeah, I want the limo, I want the $10,000, I'll do it. And I wanna do the cop. So then, she said, fine, okay. So I get a half hour later, I get another phone call from the producer, one of the producers. And they say, okay, thank you, Larry. You, you really, the, we really do believe this is not a, a put on. We really do believe it's cursed and we need you in the movie and I'm glad that you're doing the three, three parts, uh, the three lines. Thank you. But here's the thing. Do you want anything? I mean, because this is such a special and you're doing us a favor. You're, we're not doing you a favor. You're doing us a favor, Larry. Do you want any kind of props? Anything? A new costume? A change of costume? You want a line change? You want another line? What do you want? Anything will do it for you just to be in this scene. What is it? And I thought, he said, well, I'm doing what? Is this a cop? He says, yeah, yeah, you're just on the phone. It's in the police station. Okay. Um, I want to be eating a donut. That's it? Just a donut? Well, a, a glazed donut. Okay. Boom. Exactly. You got it. So they hung up. When I got there, when I got there, they did the whole thing. Limo, first class, pickup. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, yeah. everything he said, they did. I show yeah. up. He said, "Get in." Your, and the first thing I said, you know, when I get on the set. The set is all set up there. They got the camera all ready. It's all ready to go. All I have to do is just put my costume on and sit down. That's it. So he's yeah. going, and I said, "Wait a minute. Where's my donut?" So he says, "You go in, put your costume on, come back. Your donut will be here." I said, "Okay, fine. That's all I wanted was my donut." So I go away, I come back in my costume, and right next to the camera is, you know, these bakery dolly trays? They have stacked about 30 trays on a dolly, and they put all the bread on there or whatever, and they can roll it around in the bakery. They're about six feet tall, and then you roll it around. Okay. Right next to the camera is one of those bakery dollies filled with glazed donuts. About 300. Because they've got to do all the takes, right? Right, right. Well, I didn't know that, and that, and I said, what are all these? And as a joke, one of the producers said, well, what if we have to do another take? Ha, 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 very funny. 
Okay, fine. I didn't laugh at it at all. I said, let me just do this. I want to go home. You know, that that's all. I just wanted my money in the limo rides. That's why I was here. So, yeah. you know, all, all this other bullshit. Hey, it's a big joke. We got 300 bagels and you, you know, donuts and you only wanted one. Okay. So I get in there and I sit down and they go, okay, and action, Larry. You know, hey, Rose, you want me to go look for your, your kid? Are you kidding? Hey, Rose, hyper on two. Cut. Okay. All right. We have to do it again. Why? Uh, the camera shook. Uh, oh, okay. And then the producer says, see, we have, see, we're doing another take, Larry. You know, ha ha. Okay. Let's just get this over with. I want to go home. Uh, so they give me another donut. Okay. All right. Now we shot that scene 10 other times and each time I had to eat a donut and it wasn't anything I did. It was mechanical failures. And on the ninth time that I did it, because the camera would go off the dolly. One time, the the Krieg lights, you know, above it was on a you know uh-huh. stage. The the Krieg light exploded. It got so hot that it exploded, and it rained glass down on the set, on me, on the set, on the phone, on everything. So we had a you know break for a half hour while the, the crew cleaned up the set. So, yeah. so thank God they had this joke about 300, you know, I had to eat 10, so now I've eaten 10 donuts. And yeah. I was starting to think, holy cow, there is a curse on this movie. I've never had 10 fuck-ups, man. So, you know, of mechanical nature. And I saw that the producers were really, that they weren't laughing, man. They thought, oh my God, they, this is not working. Yeah. They were serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They saw. I thought, oh, that's why I'm here. Holy cow, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we do, uh, do, all right, let's do it again. And now everybody, the crew and everybody is really getting drugged and pissed and bored. And, you know, my, it's just a fucking scene, you know. So I start to think maybe it's not even going to be in the movie. But as long as I get my $10,000. I know I've seen it in the movie. I know I've seen it. Oh, yeah. So I, I do the 11th take. You know, and you go, blah, 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 blah. And everybody is thinking they're going to cut it again, you know, because it's another mechanical failure. And it goes all the way through. And you go, da, 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 cut. Okay. And then as soon as the director, Chris, says cut, everybody on the set, the crew and everybody watching, there's about 100 people standing around. It's a major motion picture. Everybody just breaks out laughing like they had held it in until she said cut. I break out laughing. And I said, because I don't know what's going on, I said, oh, damn, now it's me, right? Because there was no mechanical thing. So I said, oh, I, now I fucked up. Okay, let's just go and do it again. Please, give me another donut. And Chris says, no, we're not doing it again. That's a take. You can go home now. And I go, yeah, well, what was that all about? He says, I want you to watch. He says, I don't want to watch me fucking up. If that's funny, I just want to do it again right. And he says, no, we're not doing it again. you got to watch this. So he takes me over to TV Village, and he plays the scene, the 11th thing. And, you know, I, I take a bite of the donut, and that little piece of donut falls on the on the phone thing. And I go, oh, shit, man, I'm sorry. Okay, let's just do it again. And he says, do it again. That's going in the movie, Larry. And I go, why? That's a fuck-up. And I say, no, Larry, it's not a fuck-up. That's called a money shot. <laughs> you can go home yeah. now. And that yeah. little piece of donut, 
on the phone is more famous than I am. Because everybody who sees that movie, and that's shown every Christmas, that the family goes around the, you know, the Christmas tree and a TV yeah. set, and they watch that. And they all laugh at that one piece of donut. So that's, that's how that came about. There's your story. Uh, 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 that's great. Yeah, it, it is, but it, it's true, and it really happened. And who knew? I mean, I, I was just doing it for the money in the limo run. And 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 it's a famous scene. People quote that scene. It's it's, it's really weird. It's, it's it's like you with the the the, the professors, you know, and the, you know the the, the the you know the your thing that you told me. Yeah, that that's awesome. That is awesome. It is. Man. You know, it's a, yeah. That is. I mean, awesome. it's in the book. That 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 one is in the book. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> it's I bet. Weird. Well, Larry, um, thank you. Well, thank you, man. Thank like, you. I got a couple of hints as to how to sell this book. But let's, yeah, let's, yeah, you're like, let's do it when the book comes out. Let, you know, we let's, can talk about the book. I tell you what. Yeah. I tell you what, let's do it when the book comes out. Thank you so yeah. much. And, uh, okay, everybody. Oh, okay. I need, I got, I got an ad. I, I got an ad. I got, I got to do a, an advertisement. Can I, okay. Uh, TheRealLarryHankin.com. That's my website. TheRealLarryHankin.com. All, right. all my films and my book. Uh, there's another book up there. And uh, my paintings and T-shirts. You can get Larry Hank and T-shirts. Okay, that's it. All right. Okay, everybody. This has been Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager. And like I always say, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. Thank you, Larry, and I'll talk to you okay. later. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thank you. Thank you. Whew.